Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now On today's show, we're going to talk about making cider. We have John Schley on the show, and he is a avid maker of great ciders. And we're going to talk about all the great ways that you can go from being a beginner to making a wide variety of different types of ciders. So stick around while we talk about making cider. Building recipes and taking good notes are two of the key fundamentals of making great beer. This is one of the first things that you learn when becoming a new brewer. I started taking notes on a sheet from my extract kit and then quickly moved to brewing software. I've tried many different types of brewing software and then I found Brewfather. This is the one piece of software that you need for recipes and very detailed brew day notes, as well as fermentation notes. Brewfather also integrates with some of the topics that we discuss on the show, like the till hydrometer, the ice spindle, and ferment track. You need no other piece of software than Brewfather. One of the best parts of Brewfather is that you can try it for free. All you need to do is head to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, and click on the Brewfather banner to sign up for free today. Once again, that's homebrewingdiy.beer, and sign up for Brewfather today. Keeping a clean brewery is the key to making great beer that doesn't get contaminated. Do you use a glass or plastic carboy for your fermentation? Did you know that getting your carboy clean can be tough, especially removing the crucin ring? Even with traditional carboy cleaning tools, it can take a lot of time and not get your carboy completely clean. Well, today there's a new tool that can easily clean your carboy and do it fast, and that tool is called a scrubber ducky. Scrubber duckies are a new magnetic carboy cleaner that are easy to use and get the cleaning results required in brewing. Drop a magnetic scrubber into your carboy and be able to scrub away all of the grime in that hard to clean crucin. They are no match for scrubber duckies and you can get yours today at scrubberduckies.com. Once again, head over to scrubberduckies.com. And 
and welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the podcast that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, and parts, this show covers it all. On today's show, we're talking to John Schley. He's an avid maker of ciders, and really all kinds of ciders, and we're going to have him on the show talking about how in this time of year, you can make a cider easily at home. But first, I'd like to thank all of our patrons over at Patreon. It's because of you that this show can come to you week after week. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewing DIY, and you can give it any amount today. Your support keeps the show coming to you week after week. Another way to support the show is to head over to podchaser.com or to Apple Podcasts and write us a review. Your five-star review is going to help others find the show. The last way to support the show is to head over to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, and use our sponsor banners. Buy a bag from brewinabag.com, go to Adventures in Homebrewing and buy your brew supplies, or buy homebrewing software from Brewfather. All of these banners are going to support the show, so head over to homebrewingdiy.beer today. Well, I am actually just planning on getting a brew going. I had quite the conversation with a bunch of guys in my Discord this week, and I don't know. I, I think we ended up talking about making a boba tea beer, uh, some sort of pastry stout with boba tea. I don't know if that's really going to happen, but it would be a real fun beer. So if anybody's ever made a boba beer, I'd like to hear about what your experience was like with making that type of beer. It ended up becoming quite the rabbit's hole we all ran down. So one of the cool things you can do is head over to our Discord server. If you go to homebrewingdiy.beer, hit the Join the Discussion tab, and hop on the server. It's always a great time, and we have some really great conversations. So please join and talk to us today. Well, let's jump into this week's episode. So we're going to talk to John Schley about making cider. Welcome John Schley to Homebrewing DIY. Hi, John. How are you? Hey, doing well. How are you doing, Colter? Excellent. Well, thanks for agreeing to come on the show. I'm excited to have you. One thing I want to start off is let, let's talk a bit about your history as a home brewer. How'd you start out? Yeah, you know, I actually got my start in ciders. Um, oh, about seven years ago, I you know was just kind of looking for a fun holiday gift idea. My parents said, "Hey, what what, what, what would you want for Christmas?" And you know, they always like to give me things I can make. And I said, "You know, I, I found this cider making kit actually on Amazon." Uh, the the uh, Brew Demon Cider Making Kit. It was with a concentrate. And uh, I got that kit, made my first batch. And from there, I was hooked. You know, I realized I, how easy it was. And that really transformed into from, you know, making from kits and then going and buying orchard cider. And then it turned into extract brewing and then all grain brewing. And I made dabble in wine. So <laughs> it... It was definitely the gateway drug to uh, to brewing. I think was just that simple cider kit. So no, it's it's, it's, yeah. it's the yeah. gateway to all of your fermented products, right? <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, much much to all my friends and family's delight. 
So. <laughs> so, so you sound like me. You start off somewhere, and next thing you know, you have a glut of beer and all alcoholic beverages floating around. <laughs> it, it's a little, my my cellar is is a little ridiculous right now. I, I yeah, definitely, <laughs> especially so, in COVID. No one to enjoy it with. You know, it's it's stacking it's, up. Oh, it's so sad, isn't it? I I kind of feel the same way. I I have a I actually right now have some space in in my kegerator and i'm stoked because that means i get to brew because i was so backed up i didn't have any keg space left <laughs> that's a good problem to have though that is a good problem to have yeah so look the, we brought you on the show to talk about cider making it is cider season right now it's the middle of august i would say we're pretty much prime time across all of north america right now for apples and so if there's a better time to make cider i would say at least for the next 30 to 60 days is probably prime time. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Well, and, and you know what, what's, what's interesting too, with, with the orchards, you know, really based upon where you're at, but I, I find even later in the season, um, some of the more cider specific apples tend to come into, to harvest, uh, typically earlier in the season, you get a, a lot more of the, the sweeter varieties. They're not, they don't have as much of the tannins and the acids, like the more cider specific apples do. But yeah, I, you know, I like to make my trips up to my local orchards here, you know, usually end of September, mid-October. Uh, that's that's when I really find the best time to buy some good blends of, of fresh-pressed orchard juice. That's awesome. Well, let, let's talk about beginner, right? I, I think that's always a good place to start. Let's say I'm a home brewer or I'm an aspiring home brewer and I'm listening to this show and I've never even thought about making a cider and maybe that could be the thing I start with. If you were to recommend to me the best way to start with making a cider, let's start with what equipment do I need? What do I need to make a cider? And what would be probably the most approachable way for a beginner to make a cider? Yeah, those are great questions. Um, yeah, you know, I'd say first and foremost, you just need some some basic equipment. What I'll typically recommend is just is a single fermenter. You know, you usually want uh, something like a, a six gallon or so fermenter. I we always like to do. I do five gallon batches. I just think that's easy. It's easy to. I keg a lot, but you know, obviously you can keg or bottle. Uh, but you know, for a five gallon batch, you need a, a fermenter. You're going to need a, a carboy for secondary. Uh, so for your secondary fermentation, once you're done with your primary fermentation, I'll rack it to my carboy. And then that's where I'll either let it sit and age a little while, or, or oftentimes I'll add other adjuncts like fruits or, um, or honeys or syrups, uh, spices and, and whatnot. Um, and then a couple of just basic ingredients that you can get from your homebrew store. So, you know, like some, uh, I typically use wine yeast or champagne yeast. I think that gives a really nice clean profile. Some simple ale yeast it will work like a, a USO5 ale yeast, uh, as well as some uh, yeast nutrient. And pectic enzyme. Pectic enzyme is actually what breaks down the uh, the pectins in the cider. It, was, it will help clarify that cider. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you want, you want to have kind of a clear product with cider. That's what people expect when you buy one. It's really easy to accomplish that if you just have those few simple ingredients. Um, and then really when it comes to sourcing my juice, you know, I I feel like there's, there's a couple of trains of thought. You know, you got your, your cider purists that say, hey, yeah, you got to have orchard fresh juice. You know, you need to have have a good structure in your juice, good tannins and whatnot to, to make a, a quality cider. But I, you know, I, I really have to disagree because I've made some wonderful ciders by just literally going to my grocery store and buying treetop. Uh, you know, I don't, I like to get the, you know, you always need to have preservative free, but uh, you're getting something like the fresh pressed treetop juices, something that's not from concentrate, even the not from concentrate juice from Costco works fantastic. 
And you simply just pour five gallons into that fermenter, add your pectic enzyme, yeast nutrient, and and then pitch your yeast. And, you know, within about three weeks or so, your cider's done fermenting, put it into secondary for another couple of weeks, and you're ready to bottle. So, you know, it's it's a really simple process. And I think people tend to overcomplicate things uh, because, you know, especially when you think coming from beer, you think, oh, everything's complicated making beer, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, beer is always that that hard to make kind of beverage right you, you think about it it's like you have to especially if you go into all, all grain brewing not that it's inappro- unapproachable it's it's wonderful but the idea is that you have to mash you have to then go through all the depending on the style you could be step mashing all kinds of stuff right and then yeah. the idea would be then you have to boil and add hops and then you've just made the fermentable beverage right there's there's like the whole like converting starches to sugar thing whereas with apple juice you kind of already have the sugar built in there's really no conversion that needs to happen you're really just fermenting right absolutely yeah you know it's 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 really i can get a batch of cider from from all of my equipment sitting there on my countertop to in a fermenter and tucked away into my you know my fermentation closet i can get that done in about 20 to 30 minutes (laughs) so it's it's really easy and it's quite dangerous too to be honest i mean you know you look at the, to make a seven percent beer, you're using a lot of grain or a lot of extract. Um, for seven percent cider, that's just what's naturally going to come out of the just the the sugars that are already contained in the juice. And l- let's talk about that. You know, for example, do you, do you find that certain varieties of apples have higher sugar concentrations than others? Is is that something in cider, or is it generally all the same? Definitely. Yeah. You know, there, and what's interesting is it's all really based upon apple variety. So, you know, for, for instance, last, uh, last fall, uh, I went up to an orchard here in Logan, Utah, and I'm actually just looking at some of my recipe notes right now. Um, you know, my starting gravity was anywhere from 1.046 to 1.052. Um, you know, so it, it, and this was from two different orchards, two different pressings. So the different types of apples will definitely, you know, some can have more sugar than others. But interestingly enough, it, crab apples have a ton of sugar in them. And that's actually kind of one of my little secrets that I think I could share here. It's, it's, maybe it's not really a secret, but it's really easy to make it kind of a, a, a more simple cider, even something like store-bought juice that you use, and make it into a really tasty product. I'll actually go pick crab apples from my neighborhood trees, obviously with my neighbor's permission. But <laughs> we'll go and I'll pick you know, a couple pounds of crab apples and I throw them through my, my juicer and then I'll ferment that separately. I usually do get about a gallon and then I'll actually take and I'll blend that back into my finished fermented cider. And it adds a lot of really nice tannins and body. Um, and, and it really, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm actually tasting one right now. It's I'm, I'm quite impressed from taking it from kind of a flabby basic cider into something that, that really you, you feel like you could go buy at a, at a liquor store. Yeah, let's talk a bit about the complexity of cider. When I think of ciders that I've made, and I'm going to be very clear, I, I'm the type of person that likes dry beverages, right? When I make yeah. a mead, I make a dry mead. If I make a cider, I tend to like my ciders to be very dry and crisp, right? That's Absolutely. what I personally am looking for. I don't back sweeten. I don't do all of the things that you might see. I, I actually tend to not add other ingredients into them. What what would you say are different ways to change it? So like, for example, and I want to be clear, and this is something 
to kind of note, you you talked about some gravities and they're pretty low. You talked about like a 1046 and a 1052 from your last couple of batches. But when you do cider, they dry completely out, unlike beer, right? That's correct. Yeah, since there's no complex sugars in in apple juice, it all of the sugars are available for the yeast to ferment. So yeah, you're you're bringing it down completely dry 1.0. Um, but what what I find this interesting, and, and I pers- I'm like you, I like my ciders dry. I don't like something that's super sweet, um, you know. And and I feel like it the sweetness it, that adds a whole other set of challenges too, because you know your yeast is going to want to chew through whatever sugar you put in there. You, you got to pasteurize things you know, to be able to retain sweetness. So what I typically do when I want to make something give a little bit more of a perceived sweetness, I may look at changing up my yeast a little bit. So you know your 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 champagne yeast like your EC one 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 eight, that's going to bring it really really dry. Uh, whereas if you use something like a, like an ale yeast like the like the Safel USO five, that actually leaves a lot of sweetness in the final product. Interestingly enough. So much so, actually, I didn't actually prefer how sweet the USO5 made my cider. But there's other ways, too, to add per- the perception of sweetness to your ciders without necessarily adding sugar. Um, I know you said you like your, your ciders pretty plain. You don't like to add those adjuncts. But for me, I, I really like experimenting with different flavor profiles. Um, I've, I've done things like uh, strawberry and hibiscus. That actually added a, a decent amount of sweetness to it. I made a hibiscus tea that I just boiled with a couple of cups of water and then some strawberry puree. Usually I'll add about, you know, three pounds of, of, of a puree, a pasteurized puree to my final fermented cider. And then I'll let that sit for about another month until it clears. And then I can take and either rack that to a keg or, or bottle it at that time. Um, some other really interesting uh, ways that I've flavored my ciders was uh, actually, for instance, one right now, I've got a, um, a white peach puree. And then I also use some, some Amarillo hops. So, you know, hop, hops and ciders, I know they're, they're really starting to kind of get a foothold here in the market. And what's interesting with hops is, you know, with, with beers, you know, they can impart so many different flavors, especially when it's dry hopped. Um, so what I actually just recently did is I, I had took a, a five gallon batch of cider that was fermenting. I, I actually had retained a half gallon of that pre-fermentation. I heated that up to about 180 degrees and then threw in an ounce of those Amarillo hops. And that really added some nice stone fruit flavors. It's going to complement that white peach puree in there. So it actually has a lot more perceived sweetness than you think, even though it is still completely dry. Yeah, well, Amarillo is such a juicy hop already, right? And then you're you're bringing it up to 180, so you're still getting some ISM. I always say, I always crush this word, but it's isomerization, right? Yes, and yes. And so you, you do get a bit of that perceived bitterness and the fruitiness from the hops, but you're also not boiling for a mount for an hour, so you're not getting a whole bunch of uh, of bitterness that's like that really strong kind of IPA bitterness, right? Exactly, yeah. And and you never really want to you don't want to boil apple juice because that will actually set the pectin in the juice, and then you will never be able to have a, a clear product. So. That was actually a new, newer experiment of mine. I, I've just done something simple as just throwing some dry hops in a sanitized um, in a sanitized muslin bag and just pop that in my carboy for a week or so. And it, and it will really impart some nice flavors, even just with an ounce of hops. It can get it can get quite intense. So, you know, there's definitely you want to you use some restraint when you're putting hops or really any other spices for that matter in your cider. Let's talk a bit about spices. I I think that spices are one of those things that people, even with beer, tend to 
kind of forget that they're out there, right? Uh, I think that spices are something that can impart a very, very dramatic effect when it comes to adding some depth and character to a beverage that some people might perceive as pretty one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. What what kind of spices do you like to use and what what kind of flavors do you get from those spices? And, and maybe even also talk about what the process is to add spices, like you just said, a little bit goes a long way, right? So. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah, you know, um, something something that I that I did this last fall that that turned out to be really tasty was I actually uh, I fermented my cider, added some passion fruit puree, and then I added vanilla beans. Um, I added about two and a half full vanilla Madagascar vanilla beans, about four inch long beans, into a, a hop sock basically, and let that sit in there for about a week. And that actually imparted a significant amount of vanilla flavor. It took a while to even metal it down once I had bottled it. But it's so just to go what, what I was saying, a little goes a long way. But I, you know, I recently completed a cider that was that was very interesting, um, where I used some bourbon barrel aged maple syrup that I put in my fermented cider. I let that ferment down again for about another month. And then I added cinnamon sticks. So I added uh, one cinnamon stick, I added a couple cloves. And I also added some vanilla beans and uh, it really turned out quite interesting. And I think what's important when you're using spices is that you really need to sample every few days because just in, just in a couple of days, it can really impart a very distinct flavor. So, you know, when I was, when I was adding those spices to that last batch, that maple syrup, bourbon barrel aged cider, it, I I tasted it every other day, and after about five days, I, I had to pull everything out because it was really imparting a, a pretty intense flavor. And I've sent I bottled that a couple months ago, and and it's I cracked a bottle recently, and the, those spices are definitely prevalent there. So you know, I think you definitely want to use some restraint. Um, I always like to try to go for the freshest spices that you can get, not you know something cheap that you're going to get out of a little bottle at the grocery store. Always try to. Sp- Try to splurge on some some good spices or seasonings, and the same thing goes for the few fruit purees or just um, whole fruit. You know, I I grow some golden raspberries in my backyard and did a golden raspberry cider. Those are really wonderful as well. Um, but I think uh, you know you, you need to make sure that you're maximizing the fruit um, extracts that you're going to bring into the cider. And so what I'll typically do if I'm using whole fruit or fresh fruit is I'll freeze it in the freezer. I thought mash it a little bit, freeze it again, do that a couple of times. It helps really break down those cellular walls of the fruit to really maximize that, that uh, flavor yield that you're going to get. And with fresh fruit, you're basically adding that after fermentation. So you'll do your, like, for example, in secondary, are you doing it before it clarifies or after when, when are you actually adding that fruit? Yeah, I'm, I always add the fruits in my secondary, just because you want to, you want to, you know, if you, if you add your fruits too early and add that in primary fermentation, just like beer, a lot of times that the the fermentation activity is going to blow off a lot of those really delicate flavors and you know, aromas that you're going to get from the fruits. So I'll always uh, rack my my cider after it's done fermenting to a secondary carboy and then add my fruits from there. Excellent. And and let's talk a bit about packaging. You said you keg, you bottle. What, what does is there any different bottling process when it comes to cider versus beer? No, not at all. You know, I what what I've found um, with with ciders is that uh, I like a little bit more carbonation with them. You know, um, and I and I 
personally, I prefer the the type the CO two. You know, you know what I'm talking about when you get that real fine bubble with the bottle conditioning versus forced carbonation with CO two. Oh, totally. It's 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 there. The mouthfeel is completely different when you have a secondary fermentation in the bottle, right? It's just got they're smaller, they're more crisp, and and also if you do a higher carbonation, it's almost like that champagne kind of carbonation, right? Exactly, exactly, yeah, and and that's that's what I do. So you know, when I'm bottling my ciders, um, I'll typically uh, carbonate them to about. 3.2 to 3.7 volumes. So when I'm going that high, I'm, I'm using some pretty thick bottles. So I, what I'll typically do, you know, I'll buy some, some thicker, you know, Belgian style beer bottles, 12 ounce beer bottles um, online from some of the, you know, the big, the big distributors. Um, I'll also use champagne bottles. So a lot of, that's a good reason to buy champagne. You, you I got to save the bottle. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, um, I, I I actually have a lot of champagne bottles that I use as well. The, the benefit there too is you know you don't have to bottle so many bottles, but also the detriment is is that you know you don't have as many, so many bottles to drink, so you got to pick and choose when you open those big ones. But uh, <laughs> but um, ultimately, you know, I I really I enjoy the bottling aspect. It's because it's fun to give away. To, you know, we all make this stuff for ourselves. Like we, I enjoy it. It's kind of like you cook. You know, you're a baker. You like to bake. You're not going to eat all the treats you make. It's the same thing with brewing. Um, you know, I make it because I like to share it and, and having it in bottles ready to go, give them as gifts, bring them to, you know, to parties or events and whatnot. I just think it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a little bit more portable, but as we all know, bottling can definitely be, uh, you know, a lot more work than just throwing it into a, a five gallon keg and throwing it on some CO2 for carbonation. Awesome. And have you ever made like Sizer or anything like that? I have actually, and and you know I I'm just getting ready to to bottle my my first batch of Sizer, um, and and I was actually really su- surprised and uh, about how well it turned out because it, it looks a little funky, you know, when you, you throw so and I, and actually I threw in my honey during primary, so I didn't wait until secondary or anything for my honey. I, I threw in about four pounds of uh, some uh, tea tree honey interesting from Australia. I just, I just found it at the store randomly and so I said, Oh, this sounds kind of interesting. So I wanted to do a mint sizer. So I thought uh, Utah mints. has the weirdest honeys, don't they? Just... <laughs> oh yeah. We, <laughs> we definitely do. We definitely, we got all sorts of weird things here in Utah, but uh, <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation. Um, no, but you know, I, I had thrown in a, I threw a couple pounds of the honey in um, it. Uh, it took a long time to ferment down. So, you know, when you're adding honey to, to cider, you know, plan on letting that ferment in primary for for at least two months, and then I let it sit in the secondary for another six months. And it kind of it had a little bit of a different flavor to it. I liked it, but I wasn't sold on it. So what I ended up doing is I added uh, again my fruit. Here's go here I go again with my fruit. Uh, I added some blackberry puree because I love blackberry. Um, and then I actually took some fresh uh, spearmint from my garden and soaked it in some vodka and made a tincture. And uh, let that kind of um, let that sit for about a week, and then I added that that vodka spearmint tincture to it. So it's a spearmint blackberry sizer, and it turned out absolutely fantastic. In fact, I'll I'll be sending you a few bottles after our podcast here, so you can see what I'm talking about. You, you sent uh, you sent you send me that sizer, and I'll have you back on the show, and we'll do a tasting. That's <laughs> we'll just do that. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send, I'll send, I'll send a few different ones, but I got to tell you my favorite cider I've ever made. And maybe there's a little nostalgia here, but 
golden raspberries. They're not something you can normally buy at the store. Have you ever seen a golden raspberry before? Yes, I have. Yes, okay. I have. They are so tasty. They, it's kind of like a red raspberry, but a lot more juicy. And when they when you let them get real ripe, they get kind of jammy. And I um I have a big bush in my backyard where I, I picked about four pounds of golden raspberries last year, and that has one of the most amazing flavors. It's got a lot of perceived sweetness, even though there's no sugar in it left. It's all fermented out. Um, it's got a little bit of tartness to it. You know, I think a lot of the, those type, like the raspberries, the blackberries. Um, those types of fruits really complement ciders well. Yeah, and and I just want to clarify since I realized that we didn't say anything. A sizer is actually a beer. Sorry, not not a beer. A sizer is actually a mead mixed with cider, and so it's like a cider mead combination, and that's how you make a sizer. Uh, yeah, there so. you can go all sorts of ways. To, you know, I, the site the sizer I think is is really cool. But what I'm interested in too, and I've never made it before, is graph which is yeah. cider mixed with malt, you know, malt sugar. So, you know, I, what I was thinking is just add, you know, maybe a, a pound or two of some dry malt extracts, like this, some wheat dry malt extract or something like that. Add a little bit of body, some, some dry hops, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit of some stone, some type of stone fruit puree. I think that could come out really tasty. Um, but, uh, you know, I, there, there's really, there's, there's a lot of ways that you can make cider. There's no right or wrong way to do it. Uh, I just think it's fun to just get out there and experiment. You know, I, I've made probably 50 batches of cider, uh, and and I've never had one that I hated. I've had I've had some I didn't like as much. I still drank them, but I but most everything <laughs> I make comes out really really well because you know if you follow the process, if you're patient, you know uh, I think a lot of people expect that you know you think oh well, I'm going to throw a balloon on an apple juice bottle, and throw it in the back of my closet like you know when just people did when they were a kid, awful right? And disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know you see this and you see this online a lot of people I see it all they the want, time they, yes, they want they want results quick they don't have patience if you have a little bit of patience you have the right ingredients and you're and you you you're you've used some sanitary conditions I think you're going to come out with a great beverage that you're going to enjoy and you're going to want to share it with your friends and family yeah and and just for those who are listening and I'm sure a lot of you go to Reddit. I, I think there's actually a Reddit slash p- prison hooch and, <laughs> and just don't go there. It's scary. I, I, I actually, <laughs> I literally just started following that because someone posted something in the cider feed on Reddit. So I, I, and I actually, I think I might have to remove it because it's so ridiculous. People were fermenting Gatorade. I don't even know how they do that, but they, I literally, or at least they had something that looked like Gatorade and Gatorade bottles. Don't go there. <laughs> yeah. I, I I'll, I'll admit the, the closest I've, been to something like that is maybe skeeter pee but that that and even then it was still i used like sugar in water to make it with lemon and like it was still ended up being quality compared to you know trying to ferment mountain dew which people do (laughs) (laughs) where there's a will there's a way there's a will there's a way yeah but but Uh, but we're we're digressing uh (laughs) let's let's get back to good beverages uh one thing i i want to you kind of talk about with cider that I think we've talked about a lot is how you can really just experiment with this one beverage and kind of go any way with it, right? You can blend it with wine, you can blend it with beer, you can blend it with mead, right? You you can take all the other alcoholic beverages and they kind of all will go well with cider in some way, right? They, they do. And it's funny you said wine because I recently I made a I had a wine kit that I made 
and it was a Cabernet Sauv wine kit. Um, and I had three pounds of this, uh, of the uh, grape skins in this big bag from the fermenter. And I had a little bit left for in the primary. I couldn't quite all fit in the secondary. And I actually put that into four gallons of cider. And I didn't taste it until last week. It had been in there for about six weeks. And I, and I was downstairs with a friend and I told him what I had made. And he's like, man, that sounds really weird. Uh, but I was like, well, let's try it. I haven't even tried it yet. And, we, and I pulled out uh, a sample and it was really tasty. It had some really nice flavors to it. So you really, you can't go wrong, you know, with, with blending, you know, and I, I think it's, it, it's not going to, if you make a mistake, it's not like it's a huge mistake. It didn't take you a lot of time and it didn't cost a lot of money, you know, so. Exactly. It, so if I were, we talked about this a bit at the beginning, but if I were looking to make a cider, I've never made one before. What would you say is a great beginner cider recipe that you would share with somebody that you were trying to help today? Yeah, that is a great question. Like I said, I can just kind of go back here in my, my recipe book for just, just a, a basic standard cider. So I hear I pages a, turning. That isn't that, digital. That, no, <laughs> I, you know what? I'm kind of old school like that. I, I really, you know, I have a notebook for work too. I write everything down in notebooks. I'm, that's just the way that I roll. But I, at one point, I probably should digitize it. But uh, yeah, so per my uh, my old school uh, spiral notebook here, um, so just a standard base cider that I'll make, uh, five gallons of apple juice. So, you know, it, just at, from Costco, go get your, your Kroger apple juice. It's not from concentrate. There's no preservatives in it. It's a wonderful juice to use. And what um, is a preservative you're always looking for? So you don't want to have any type of potassium sorbate is typically what you'll find in some store juices. Most of them, you're, you're just looking for pasteurization. If it's pasteurized, it's just, you know, either by heat or by UV, it's fine. Um, you can ferment that. But if there's potassium sorbate or potassium metabisulfate, that will, that will definitely uh, stall a fermentation. So you need to make sure that there's no preservatives in your juice. Um, most juices out there don't have preservatives in them anyways, but I will caution you is that some orchards, and there's one even here in my town that does really nice fresh pressed orchard juice. However, they put sulfites in it. So I can't, I, you, won't, you won't be able to ferment it. So I can't buy juice from that orchard, unfortunately. So you always want to find your unpasteurized juice if you're going to an orchard. Um, UV pasteurization is okay, but uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, UV pasteurization is okay, but no, no preservatives like sorbates or sulfites. Um, store-bought, you're going to be fine just pouring it right out of the jug. You don't need to worry about any of that stuff. So typically I'll do five gallons of apple juice. I'll do a, a teaspoon of uh, Fermade K uh, or Fermade O, which is a, just a, a yeast nutrient that you can find at your homebrew store. Uh, I use two teaspoons of pectic enzyme, which is again going to break down the pectins in those juice to make sure that you have a clear product once fermentation is completed. And then, and then sometimes, depending upon how it tastes, you'll know, add some acid blend. You can buy, also buy that at your homebrew store. So it's just a it's a blend of different acids that adds a little bit more uh, zip to a kind of a bland juice. Uh, however, you know, I I find sometimes it's not always necessary, especially if you're adding other adjuncts like you know fruits or spices. You don't you don't need to worry about the acid blend. Uh, and then here, I just did a, a USO five uh, yeast Safale USO five. Um, and then, uh, that actually started on 527 on 610. It was, uh, fermented. And, uh, then I let it sit in the secondary for three to four weeks with some passion fruit puree and kegged it. 
that was actually last fall. I think that batch actually went to my friend's wedding. So, <laughs> um, so you know, it's it was really simple, and and it literally costs about thirty dollars to make fifty seven percent ciders. Nice, and that's half the price of making a New England IPA these days. <laughs> yeah, I know, especially with those hop costs. Absolutely. Well, and yeah. if you go and and ciders are expensive. You know, you go to a go to a store and go, you want to pick up some, some nice cider, you know, uh, like a woodchuck or some, you know, just a higher end brand. Yeah. You're looking at, you know, a couple bucks a bottle. So this, this really is a way to make some delicious beverage for, for a really great price. I, I will say that, but as with anything, this is a hobby and I want to give anybody who's listening to this and thinking about it, this is a hobby and there is equipment costs. You got to get in there, right? He, he's probably got uh, absolutely buckets, carboys things like that and so anybody and i like to warn everyone anybody who is telling their significant other hey i want to brew beer because it's going to be cheaper that is a bold-faced lie and (laughs) (laughs) or 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 you're telling yourself a bold-faced lie uh but in the end we we do it because we love the hobby that is this is the point right and exactly and i think it's it's about like you said earlier it's about making and sharing with friends and those are and that's what makes covid-19 so hard is that so many new people have gotten into home brewing because of it and none of us can share <laughs> it's just more sad. for all of us to drink i guess right so exactly <laughs> Well, John, I want to thank you for coming on Homebrewing DIY. This was a really wonderful conversation to talk about ciders. And if I were to want to find out more about some of the ciders and beers that you're making, where's a good place for me as a listener to to find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. My uh, page is called Sessions Brewing. That's with a Z. S-E-S-S. I-O-N-Z, Sessions Brewing. And then uh, also my, my ciders that I, I also, I just market that under Seeds Ciders. So if I ever do decide to go big one day, you'll see Seed Ciders here uh, online. But uh, I'd love to be able to help out anybody. If you guys have any questions, comments, feedback, um, I'd, I'd love to be able to help or share however I can. Awesome. And, and you're now on my Discord server. So you know, make sure you hang out. And if people have cider questions, I'll send them your way. That would be fantastic. I'd love to help. It's a lot of fun. Awesome. So ho- hopefully more people will pick this up. It's, it's a great hobby and it's, and it's easy to do. Awesome. Well, like I said, John, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, if you send me those ciders, we'll have you back on the show. and We'll do a cider tasting. How's that sound? Oh, oh, you'll get a package in the mail. Just send me your address and, uh, and I'll, I'll pack up a little gift pack for you. So awesome. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Coulter. Take care. Bye. I'd like to thank John for taking the time to come on this week's show. As always, we always learn something new on the show, and there's just an entire world of cider out there. So thank you again, John. If you head over to the show notes, I'll have links there linking to John's Instagram account and other resources on cider. So head over to homebrewingdiy.beer. Also, you can follow us on social media. You can follow us at homebrewingdiy, all one word. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Well, that's it for this week, and we'll talk to you next week on Homebrewing DIY. Homebrewing DIY.